you're not already there, can you please open your Bible to Luke chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Luke chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. All right. As you can see behind me, we're studying through the Gospel of Luke, venturing our way through this marvelous book. Today's sermon title is Zechariah. Zechariah's Today's sermon title is Zechariah. Zechariah's unbelief in Elizabeth faithfulness. You know, unbelieving is unbelieving in God is a very dangerous act. Unbelief is a sin. Simply put it, it is spiritual blindness. It causes a Christian to have a hardness of heart. It is a form of antagonism. That is, a person who believes but doubts because of the uncertainty. Unbelief opposes the truthfulness of God's word. Unbelief is a rejection of Christ and the promises of God and the gospel. Throughout Israel history, we read in the Bible that God punished people because they did not believe. The very first people to be punished was Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were punished for eating the forbidden tree, I mean the forbidding fruit of the tree of good and evil. Satan disguised himself as a serpent in Genesis chapter 3, verses 4 through 7, and convinced Eve to eat of the tree. Eve did. She gave Adam some fruit as well, and he ate, as the scripture puts it. The thing is, is that she doubted God's words. She ate when God told her not to, and so did Adam. And that was unbelief. So God punished Eve, causing her 
along with billions of women, to have child labor pains. So, ladies, you can congratulate Eve for that. God punished Adam, causing him to work the ground by the sweat of his brow, as this passage puts it. This caused men to work long extra hours, to toll the soul, to toll the ground. Before, it was just easy. Adam had all that he needed. He didn't need it. I need to work. So through Adam's Adam disobedience, sin entered the world, cursing every form of life. And all of this happened because of unbelief. God punished Moses according to Numbers chapter 20, verse 12. When the people of Israel along with their livestock, walking in the desert for 40 years, they began to complain again to Moses about not having any water to drink. So Moses brought their complaint to God, and he instructed, and God instructed Moses and Aaron to go speak to a rock so that water may flow from it. What did Moses do? He struck the rock two times, causing water to gush from it. That was contrary to God's word. That was an act of unbelief. So God punished Moses and Aaron. We find that punishment in Numbers chapter 20, verse 12, which says, Because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, you and Aaron will not enter into the land that I have given them. Speaking of the people of Israel. You know, the apostles were rebuked on many occasions for not believing in the words of Christ. Remember, that Christ rebuked his disciples. He called them, he actually stated that they were faithless, according to Matthew chapter 17, verse 15 through 17. And the reason why he said that is because the disciples failed to cast out a young boy who was demon-possessed. This is during Jesus' ministry. The disciples had training. So he called them faithless. In the synoptic gospel, it shows that they were rebuked for not believing in his resurrection. Thomas said in John chapter 20, verse 25, unless I see in his hands, the marks of his hands and the nails, and place my Finger into the into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into the side. I will never believe. Those are the words of Thomas. However, Scripture warns us 
to not have an unbelieving heart. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12, says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. And that's what we see or will see in Zechariah today. And if you don't mind, just follow along your Bible as I read Luke chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. It says, And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these day things take place. Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah. And they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home After these days, his wife, Elizabeth, conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord had done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. It's very interesting that Zechariah disbelieved Gabriel's words. Previously, we learned that Zechariah is a priest. According to verse 6, he was a righteous and blameless priest. He was a priest. He was brought up in a priestly line, which made him a descendant of Aaron. Aaron was his grandfather. Zechariah was an ordinary priests serving in the temple. It's not too much said about Zechariah's background. Luke does not point that out. There's nothing special about Zechariah. But he was an ordinary priest serving in the temple according to the division of Abijah. So he was accustomed to the priestly duties. Therefore, he knew the scriptures. Zechariah knew the scriptures. He knew the Old Testament. He knew Israel was enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. He knew that Israel traveled through the desert for 40 years until they reached the land that God promised to them. As a priest, he knew about the laws of Moses, and 
he knew what was considered as an acceptable sacrifice unto the Lord. Most importantly, he knew that God viewed unbelief as a sin. Scripture says, without faith, it is impossible to please God, for whoever would draw near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So why did Zechariah say to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. How shall I know this? This is the question at hand. This is the question that he asked the angel. So since Zechariah was a faithful priest, I'm sure he read about the story, about the story of Abraham and Sarah. God made a covenant with Abraham. Abraham and Zechariah have similar stories. Abraham was childless as well. But God made the covenant with Abraham that he would be the father of many nations. And through his child that Sarah will bear. Abraham was... age to bear a child 
That doesn't seem to be contradicting in words because it's not. You can still be a believer and still be faithless. So what did he say? It says in Zechariah in verse 18, Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. The angel responded, said, I am Gabriel. You know, there's only two angels that is listed by name. That is Gabriel and the archangel Michael. Uh, Michael in uh, scripture is always viewed as a super archangel who is always fighting. He fought with Satan. So he was a battle angel. That was his ministry. That was his, what he was commissioned from God. But Gabriel, and and I kind of like how Luke doesn't mention Gabriel's name until you get to verse 19. If you look at verse 11 and verse 13, Luke doesn't mention his name. He only said an angel. Verse 11, he said an angel appear on the right side of the altar. In verse 13, he said, an angel said to him. It is as if Luke wanted to dramatize Gabriel's name according to verse 19. You know, and as we read in verse 19, Gabriel's response is simply put, I am Gabriel. It was an imperative, it was emphatic, it was important. I am Gabriel. Let's stop right there for a second. Why, why did Gabriel mention his name? Why not just say, I am an angel who stand in the presence of God? Well, I talked about Michael, the archangel ministry. Gabriel's ministry and responsibility illustrates the importance of his message. Zechariah uh, should have remembered Gabriel in the book of Daniel. In Daniel chapter 8, verse 15 through 26, and Daniel chapter 9, verse 20 through 27, mentions Gabriel's name and ministry. And in both places, it demonstrates Gabriel was actively delivering messages from God to his people for the sake of God's people's redemption. He is telling that God is working out a redemption on on the behalf of men. That's what Gabriel spoke to Daniel. And that's what he was speaking to Zechariah. How God would use John the Baptist for the sake of man's redemption. That John the Baptist will be the forerunner of Christ. He spoke, uh, Gabriel spoke uh, similar words to Mary 
delivering a message. Now you will bear a son, and his name shall be Jesus. It's talking about the redemption. You know, the coming of Christ in which man can only find their redeemer. So to reject Gabriel uh, was rejecting God. This is why Gabriel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to you to bring you good news. Imagine that for a second. Here is an angel appearing to a man, identifying himself, saying that he's standing in the presence of God to bring good news. How much can you have unbelief not to believe in that? Gabriel was saying it is important that I am not an ordinary angel. I'm not the run of the mill. I am not just an angel who was sent by anyone. I wasn't sent here on my own will. I was sent by God. I stand in the presence of God and to bring you good news. Now the word good news here The word good news is the same Greek verb, evangelion, which means gospel. As Luke and his gospel use this word many times, good news, gospel, because that's what it is. Luke being a Gentile would have received this as a good news because it benefited him and many other Gentiles. So the word good news should have helped Zechariah to believe. The sheer fact that the angel appearing to him ought to help him to believe too. So how did the angel respond to Zechariah? We see that in the very next text. The verse, it says that in verse 20, And behold, you will be silent, unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe in my words. You know, Zechariah was asking for a sign. His question, how shall I know this, was a two-folded question. It was asking, okay, give me a sign. Give me something to believe in. I need more than your words. Remember, Zacharias was serving in the temple when the angel appeared to him. So by him asking for a sign wasn't bad. It wasn't 
something that he could not have asked for. Remember when Abraham, when God appeared to Abraham, he too asked for a sign. In Genesis chapter 15, verse 2, he says, How will I know this? And then what did God do? He made an everlasting covenant with Abraham. In the book of Judges, Gideon asked for a sign from God. So when Luke writes in verse 22, Zechariah was unable to speak and keep him making signs to them and remain mute. So the idea is this. When Zechariah asked for a sign, the angel said, here is your sign. You will remain mute. You will remain deaf. You won't be able to speak. That was the sign he received. Now imagine people who, who may have unbelief in God, all believers. If God would may have made us mute because we did not believe in his word, we can quickly identify those people because they won't be able to speak. And this is what the angel did. He gave Zechariah the sign that he was asking for because of his unbelief. Now, we know that he was in the temple. The people were waiting for him on the outside of the temple. Um, and this, it doesn't, he was burning incense. He was burning coals. That doesn't take long to do. So people were wondering and asking, why is this taking forever? And what he would have normally did, once he was done burning coals, is gave, would have given uh, a blessing. Uh, it's considered as the Aaron's blessing, according to Numbers chapter, 20, uh, chapter 6, verse 22 through 27. It says, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, speak to Aaron, his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. That's what Zechariah would have done when he was in the temple while people was waiting outside, he would have did the common blessing. That's what I do some, well, majority of the times. When service is over, I give a benediction, which means a blessing. That doesn't take long. So we see in verses 20 and 21, that the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. In verse 22, and when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized he had seen a vision in the temple. He kept making signs to them and remained mute. 
I wonder was that a fitting a fitting punishment for Zechariah. He had to remain mute and more lightly deaf because he couldn't understand the words that were coming out of their mouth. If you turn over to verse 64, no, verse 62, it shows that Zechariah was not only able to speak, he was deaf. It says in verse 62, And they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted him to be called. You don't need to make signs to a person who can hear. You make signs, and that's why we say sign language to people who can not hear. So they made signs, and his and asked for a writing he asked for a writing tablet in verse sixty three and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered, and immediately his mouth was open and his tongue loose, and he spoke in bless in blessing God. I imagine. Here is Zechariah, who was mute and deaf for nine months. Many of us cannot, <laughs> I say, many of us cannot stop speaking for two minutes. Imagine not speaking or hearing for nine months. So the proper reaction that Zechariah responded was was good. He started praising God when his mouth or his tongue wasn't no longer uh, glued to the top of his mouth. So he was, as going back to verse 22, he kept making signs to them and remained mute and when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. He went to his home. People are outside, like, what is going on? What is wrong with Zechariah? Why he's not blessing us, the common blessing that a priest would do? He started making signs. People saying, why is he making signs? We don't understand what he's saying. So he went home. Once his service was up, he was uh, part of the division of Abijah, the priestly uh, division of Abijah. So they had to serve for two weeks. So just imagine him serving for an entire two weeks, just slaughtering animals, not saying anything nor hearing anyone. So once his services was up, he went home. And in verse 24 and 25, after these days, he was, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. You know, this text just signifies 
the unbelief of Zechariah, but the faithfulness of Elizabeth. It shows that she was a humble uh, woman, a humble wife. The test doesn't highlight anywhere that she disbelieved. I'm sure she was a very sweet lady. And when she realized that she have conceived a child, she just wanted to cherish that moment, hiding from everyone else. You know, in ancient Israel, people would have heard the news that a person was in trouble or a person such as this news would have been heard around the community. But she hid herself. No one knew. Not even Mary until the angel Gabriel, according to uh, verse 36, when Gabriel expressed to Mary that your cousin Elizabeth have conceived. No one knew about Elizabeth conceiving to have a child. I'm sure she was a remarkable woman. Her faith did not waver. Her and Zachariah was praying for many years to conceive a child. And when her, when her prayer was answered, she gave praise to God. And this is why she said what she said. Thus the Lord has done for me. In the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. As I told y'all before, that a priest who uh, would have married a barren woman was considered to be a curse. So she had to carry that burden for many, many years. But once she realized as she conceived a child, her burden was lifted. It was removed. So I mentioned that Zechariah was a righteous and blameless priest, but in verse 6 is also described Elizabeth the same way. So what we can learn from Zechariah and Elizabeth Zechariah teaches us that God occasionally instructs saints through difficult times. And sometimes is underestimating God is a dangerous is as dangerous as rebelling against him. And also teaches us that good believing people ought to pray against Unbelief. You know, though, in the words of the father whose son was demon possessed, he said this of G, uh, to Jesus Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. So, for us, is it right for us to have unbelief? Is it 
a natural way or a natural reaction when something occurs in our life to have unbelief? Or should we be like Elizabeth, who was faithful from the beginning to the end? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I do ask you that you would impress upon our hearts to always believe in your and believe in you and what you have said. I pray and that you will help us in our unbelief. That we will always have faith in you. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for your son. I thank you for what you are doing in our lives. And that you are challenging us in difficult times to believe in you. So Lord, if there's any unbelief in our hearts, I pray that you will help us to remove it and to just have faith. I pray this in your son's name. Jesus Christ. Amen. And also pray for uh, this offering. I ask that you will bless this offering, allow it to further your kingdom and your gospel. Amen.